Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. These payments are halted. Well, clearly the president wants to see the child tax credit extended. That's why he proposed in this package. And uh, clearly that's why a number of members of the Senate want to get this done uh, as soon as possible. The president supports that. Uh, we, of course, need 50 votes in order to do that. Uh, so we're continuing to work through the process of getting there. So Jen Psaki continues to answer questions from the White House press corps. But I think the questions we should be asking ourselves as we look at the devastation from these tornadoes in Kentucky, uh, I'm sorry, Arkansas and Illinois, why were so many people so quick to move to, well, you see, the issue here is climate change. They don't have a body count. Whole towns are gone. And the first thing they went to without waiting was uh, climate change. Well, you see, the problem is climate change. See, that's what's causing the, these tornadoes. Climate change causing any tornado, all tornadoes, these specific tornadoes, all of a sudden the tornadoes are bigger and stronger. What is that data? Where is that coming from? Why would they utilize a natural disaster to move forward agenda Unless, of course, for me, it's that the agenda is more important than the lives they make a claim of protecting. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That is the number. 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of the program. James Taylor joins us right now, and he is uh, the mind behind uh, the Heartland Institute. Heartland.org is where you find him, and he has been talking about uh, climate policy. He has been talking about these issues that get turned into, uh, well, these political hot potatoes because we make claims of, well, the science is settled. But clearly, the science is not settled. In addition to being president of the Heartland uh, Institute, he is the director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center for Climate and Environmental Policy and the former managing editor of Environment and Climate News. Uh, Let's start with the basics here. Um, Do we have anything, any study, anywhere that points to Climate change, as the people on the political left describe it, being responsible for an increase in tornadoes across the nation. Hey, Tony, thanks for having me on. The answer is no. In fact, just the opposite, because on this particular topic, the science is settled because the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has been tracking tornadoes going back to the 1950s. And what their data show, their objective scientific data, is that tornadoes are declining in frequency and severity throughout the United States. And by the way, 90-plus percent of the world's tornadoes happen in the United States. What we know even more importantly is that the very strong tornadoes, the F3 or stronger tornadoes, the killer tornadoes, they have declined by more than 50 percent since the 1950s. We used to average 50 or 60 F3 or stronger tornadoes every year. In recent years and decades, it's about 20. So yes, tornadoes will still occur. They occurred before there were coal power plants and SUVs. They will still occur despite global warming. But as the planet warms, we see fewer and less severe tornadoes. So the ones that happened this weekend, it's it's due to global warming that we're not seeing them as frequently and as bad as they used to occur. 
Now, it's interesting to hear you utilize that term, global warming. I believe that the difference in understanding the Heartland Institute and understanding you, and we've known each other for a great number of years, is that there's a difference between a recognition that things may be warmer and the idea of things being anthropogenic, meaning man-made, man-caused, and somehow we are guilty and we now have to punish ourselves for our existence. Yeah, well, they changed the term from global warming to climate change to whatever it is this week, climate disruption, whatever. Basically, global warming, that the root of their claims is that as the earth warms, it causes all these catastrophes. The problem is every time Al Gore would open his mouth, it would snow. So they had to change the term to avoid embarrassment. But what we do know from the actual data, which is most important, but also from the United Nations itself, is that the United Nations finds, because the data shows unequivocally, that as the planet has warmed, there has been no increase in hurricanes, no increase in tornadoes, no increase in droughts, no increase in floods, no increase in wildfires. In fact, for most of these, including tornadoes, they have become less frequent and less severe. That's the actual hard data. And what it comes down to is you have climate activists making predictions, which we're told is settled science, versus objective data showing exactly the opposite. Given a choice between the two predictions that always fail and objective data, I'm going to put my money on the objective data. Talking to James Taylor of the Heartland Institute, heartland.org is where you find more about him and more about the organization. It's going to sound to some people rather callous that here we are a day, a couple days after the this this horror show in Kentucky where we don't even have the full data on how many people have, have perished and the damage done and the billions of dollars uh, of damage done and we're having this conversation. But the reason I reached out and the reason we're having this conversation is because you've got um, uh, national security people like Rachel Vindman saying this is what climate change looks like. You have got a series of people on the political left, for example, Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, on Twitter. We should do all we can to help our Kentucky neighbors. God be with them, they are hurting. But do not for one second forget that Rand Paul has voted against helping most Americans most times they're in need. Jamel Hill saying that we know Rand Paul's a heartless hypocrite. The people in Kentucky deserve the relief regardless of their buffoonish leadership. But if the Dems don't use this against him and his party in the future, it's a missed opportunity. Um, there, There's one thing to say you're voting against um, aid for certain places. But when people like Mark Ruffalo, actors say this is what climate catastrophe looks like, they're politicizing this horror and your argument is, and the argument that never gets out there is, they don't have the data to back them up. They're just people who are craven about their ideology. Yeah, anyone who's trying to say the global warming caused these tornadoes, they are either ignorant or unethical, or perhaps both. And especially the attacks on Rand Paul, they're sick, they're twisted, uh, they're nefarious, they're deserving of condemnation. And by the way, as you mentioned, yes, you know, we're discussing this two days afterwards, and, and it puts a rock in my gut to have to write about this. On Saturday, when, when we were getting the first word Saturday evening about these tornadoes, I very much was tempted to write an article because I knew these assertions would be made to get the information out first so that people would see it. But I did not want to because, my goodness, I mean, people are still, people were still taking cover. There was more to come. But, yes, yeah, so here we come Monday morning, and we have the head of the Biden administration's FEMA uh, coming out and saying this is the new normal and it's caused by global warming and all these other attacks. So, listeners, if you go to the website climaterealism.com, 
That's climaterealism.com. That's where we at the Heartland Institute, we have posted two articles today. You'll see the objective data. You'll see the chart showing how tornadoes have become less frequent and severe. Yes, tornadoes will still occur even as the earth warms, but to say that global warming is making them worse is just entirely ignorant or just deceitfully twisting the actual data. And it's a shame we have to talk about it on a tragic day such as today. But here, here it is. And, and let's get back to this, because one of the articles you have at climaterealism.com is thank global warming for record lack of tornadoes, but some still occur. How does global warming reduce tornadoes? Well, tornadoes occur primarily when you have a clash of very warm, humid air from the Gulf of Mexico, that region, and very cold air, cold fronts coming from the northwest. And really, it's that, it's that difference in temperature that makes that makes the energy that, that causes tornadoes. Well, what happens as the Earth warms is that the majority of the warming is occurring at winter in the Arctic at night. You don't have that temperature gradient clash as much as you have had in the past. So without that steep uh, difference in temperatures, the tornadoes that you get are not going to be as strong when they occur at all. So as the Earth warms, you reduce the difference between the hot regions and the cold regions of the planet, and you reduce tornadoes. Now, one of the other pieces that goes along with this, because, you know, here people are going to say, wait, is, is, is Tony saying that there's global warming? There's not anthropogenic global warming, but certainly the Earth goes through periods. And one of the things that, that we're seeing is that there was some data out of, out of I believe, of, uh, maybe we'll just call it the Arctic. Maybe it was Antarctica, but I think it was the, the Arctic. Um, that shows that if, if you go back, um, the warming had already we've we've gone through natural periods of warming that we can show a hundred years ago we were going through periods of warming the natural ebb and flow just like in the seventies where they were talking about uh, a, a mini ice age if if you will uh, so how much more now do we know because what we're told all the time is ninety seven percent of climate scientists agree uh, that that it's, it's anthropogenic this that and the other. What is it that you believe we know now or your uh, research shows we know now about how the environment ebbs and flows on warming and on cooling versus, let's say, a decade ago? Yeah, well, he, he, well, here, here's a few important points. And let me go back more than yeah, what we know versus a decade ago. Temperatures now are not abnormally warm. They're abnormally cool. If you look at the entirety of the time that human civilization has existed, for most of that time period, temperatures were warmer than today. You cannot have a global warming crisis when temperatures are unusually cool. That's why they try and call it climate change now. We also know, for example, that the sun's output, because the sun doesn't produce the same amount of energy all the time. The sun's output was at a minimum in the 1600s and 1700s, which was the depths of the Little Ice Age. As the sun's output diminished, so did global temperatures. Then as solar output increased, we have seen a tracking of temperatures here on Earth that nearly exactly mirror the output in the sun. So we do know that it's natural forces, and particularly the sun, that dominate, human te- uh, dominate uh, earthly temperatures. To the extent that people try to say that global warming is, is this crisis that's occurring, 97% of scientists agree, those surveys, this 97% garbage, first of all, the only questions they ask is, has the earth warmed and have humans played some role? I'll say yes to both of those. But when you ask those questions, the only member Uh, excuse me, the only body of scientists whose full membership has been surveyed on this question, the American Meteorological Society, they're asked questions. Number one, has the earth warmed? Majority say yes. Number two, have humans played some role? Majority say yes. Number three, most important that you don't hear about, how concerned are you? 
The percentage that are very concerned is about 30%. That's the true consensus, 30%, whereas 70% are not very concerned about global warming. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go back to that very last point. How? What's the percentage concerned? 30% are very concerned. 70% are not very concerned. And, and t- say it again. Where is this from? This is from the American Meteorological Society. It is the only scientific body whose full membership has been surveyed on the issue. By the way, the bureaucracy for the American Meteorological Society has this statement that talks about global warming being a crisis and everything else. But when you ask the scientists themselves, that's what the full membership says. Now let's get into one more thing. Talking to James Taylor. He's the president of the Heartland Institute. Heartland.org. I got that right. Yeah, heartland.org. And you can also check out climaterealism.com. The other day, uh, in, in the wake of what happened in Kentucky, Michael Mann has been speaking out. Now, Michael Mann, if people don't know the name, he is responsible for the, the mythology that is known as the hockey stick graph. This is what uh, Al Gore used in, in, in his movie, An Inconvenient Truth, to show, look at how uh, the, the temperatures are going up. It is Michael Mann who, when Mark Stein said, yeah, this is nonsense, Michael Mann sued him and Stein has been fighting these cases and has been winning left and right this was michael mann uh on the the leftist democracy now just the other day there isn't a huge global lobby the world's most powerful industry wealthiest and most powerful industry the fossil fuel industry that has a stake in the covid 19 debate um, so it's fairly easy for these big tech companies, these social media companies, to stop, you know, uh, showing COVID denial for suppressing COVID denial videos and, and posts. Um, there isn't a huge corporate interest that's going to get in their way. With climate change, it's a whole different story. We are talking about an effort by the world's largest, most powerful industry, the fossil fuel industry, to prevent any meaningful action on climate and to accomplish that in part by using social media to promote denialism and dismissal. And here, uh, the social media companies are being complicit. And, you know, why are they being complicit? Well, many of them are getting a lot of advertising money from the fossil fuel industry. So it's inconvenient to their business model. Seems Michael Mann is making the argument that social media companies should be censoring or banning people like you who disagree with him regarding climate change. Right. Digital book burning. That's what Michael Mann wants. Anyone who disagrees with him should have their books burned. In this case, in the 21st century, it's social media, so your digital books burned. By the way, his assertion is so stupid and ridiculous. Jeff Bezos just pledged $10 billion to climate activist groups. Lorraine Jobs just pledged $3.5 billion to climate activist groups. When you look at organizations, the Nature Conservancy takes in over a billion dollars a year in annual funding. The World Wildlife Foundation, the Natural Resources Defense Council, Sierra Club, etc., over $100 million every year, several of these groups. By the way, do you know what the, our budget is at the Heartland Institute? It's about $4 million. I mean, we, we're, we're, just, we're just like it, 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 the razor's edge is all you can see of our funding compared to these stacked up 
gold bullion coins that represent funding for the other side. Michael Mann, his problem is, despite all of that disparity in funding, despite having all the media behind him, he still can't win an argument against climate realists because he is arguing from a position of either ignorance or deliberate data manipulation in the American public. If they can see it, if they have access to it, they're smart enough to know better. And that's what's happening. His name is James Taylor. You can learn more about what he does over at heartland.org, heartland.org, the Heartland Institute. He is the president of the Heartland Institute. And you can also check out climaterealism.com for the latest. Uh, James, uh, good to hear from you. We will talk again soon. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So Jen Psaki just ended her uh, press briefing, and man, she is she is something. <laughs> Actually, uh, saying that uh, the Congressional Budget Office score on Build Back Better doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? You keep telling people that's not going to cost anything. It's absolutely going to cost something. Why do you keep saying that it doesn't matter? And then, of course, there's a whole conversation going on about the border and Steve Ducey. He's still the only guy asking questions. Bill, everybody's uh, going to vote on and considering in Congress right now. Okay, another topic. Is Vice President Harris still in charge of addressing the root causes of migration from El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala? She is, and I just announced a a commitment that she's announcing this afternoon. So then why is it that she has not spoken to the president of Guatemala since June? That's six months. Well, I know that I I did see this kind of strange report uh, from the president of Guatemala saying that uh, he's had no contact with the White House, which is inaccurate. He Uh, He said uh, Vice President Harris. He has not spoken to her. And if she's in charge, why, why is that? Well, we have had a range of conversations, Peter, I think as reflected in our readout we put out last week with our national security advisor, with the vice president's national security advisor, with our NSC senior director, Juan Gonzalez. Uh, We put out an extensive readout of that uh, just last week, and we'll continue that high level of engagement. Okay. Uh, Final topic. None of those people are Vice President Kamala Harris. That is being called to the carpet. It's a wink and a nod to each other, to America. Yeah, we know. You're you're full of it. Because you're full of it. You are what you are what you are. Meanwhile, the pushback against the transgender swimmer. Have faith, America. Rationality will win if we keep being honest. I'll get into it up next. I'm Tony Katz. I mean, there's much more on Saki. She's just been a an outrageously hot mess. I mean, a hot mess. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today, the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. 
I mean, we start with this right here about the idea of the transitory inflation. And if you catch my video series, uh, Morning Rumble, which I do on rumble.com and it plays on my Facebook page and sponsored by Americans for Prosperity. You, you caught me talking about this. You can check out the video. It's, it's, I, I kind of dig in. This is surreal. From her briefing last week, the press secretary. Does the administration, does the president acknowledge that inflation is more entrenched and not transitory? Well, Kristen, I would say that I can't speak, obviously, for Jerome Powell, but I think part of the point here is that it doesn't really matter what you call it. Yes, it does. It matters greatly what you call it. What are you talking about? You're the ones who told us it was transitory. You're the ones who said that mattered. You're the ones who told us. That this inflation was not going to last. It was no big deal. Then you went about going to to news outlets and saying, hey, you have to treat us better. It isn't nice what you're saying about the economy. Don't you know we, we need to keep Donald Trump out of office? Because you know that got said. So you have to treat us better and you have to say nicer things about the economy, and that's what you're hearing right now. That's what you're hearing right now. Sorry about that. That's what you're hearing people like Jim Cramer over there at CNBC talk about how, uh, my gosh, it's the, strong, it's the strongest economy he's ever seen. No, it's not. I don't gain anything by it not being the strongest economy he's ever seen. I would much rather it was the strongest economy he'd ever seen. It's just not. And these people told us that the inflation was transitory, meaning it wasn't going to last. But we have heard people, including Jerome Powell, saying, of course it's going to last. And now all of a sudden, the the terminology doesn't matter. Stop talking, crazy lady. But that wasn't the big one. The big one was this conversation about how kids in a school in Portland kids we're talking about like an elementary school i believe it is maybe it's a middle school they have to eat outside it's 40 degrees in portland oregon they're eating outside separated from each other because you know covid what they eat in the cold why aren't they eating inside why in the world are they eating in the cold because they can spread covid to each other where they won't get sick and won't die according to all the data the percentages are in the point zero zero ones, I believe. And that's why they have to eat in the cold. Why would you be in favor of this? Why is the White House in favor of this? And why is Jen Psaki so proud of how she abuses her own kid? Well, schools are taking steps, especially since we've only recently approved uh, through the CDC and FDA vaccines for five to 11 year olds. They're not approved for kids younger than that to keep their kids safe and keep students safe. I will tell you, I have a three year old who goes to school, sits outside for snacks and lunch, wears a mask inside, and it's no big deal to him. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but these are steps that schools are taking to keep kids safe. And I think the vast majority of parents appreciate that. Obviously, we want to get 
get to a point where we're turning to a version of normalcy for everybody, right? Uh, where you're not sending your kids backpack with seven extra masks, right? Where you're not adding two hats so that they're warm outside for a snack. There's no question that's the case. But we also think the most important thing should be safety, the safety of kids, keeping kids in school, which the... You are afraid of COVID and are taking it out on children. And it's not just her. We know that. It's not just her. It's obscene. It is obscene. But maybe not as disgusting as this commentary from everybody's uh, favorite authoritarian, Anthony Fauci. You know, George, it's tough to tell because the third shot of an mRNA could not only do what we absolutely know it does, is it dramatically increase the level of protection, but from an immunological standpoint, it could very well increase the durability of protection by things that you can't readily measure by the level of antibodies, that you might have a maturation of the immune system that would prolong the durability. You don't know that, George, until you just follow it over a period of months. If it becomes necessary to get yet another boost, then we'll just have to deal with it when that occurs. But I'm hoping from... We just have to deal with it when it occurs? So you know it's going to occur because you've already stated that we're going to change the definition of what fully vaccinated is. So we understand each other, guys. There is no data out as of this moment that shows what the booster does in terms of efficacy. There is a belief. I won't deny that there's a belief. But the idea that they have shown, that they have shown with some level of of completeness, you take the booster and you are X percent better off, you'll have this kind of reduction. They don't have it. They don't have it. The booster is a totally on faith thing. I am not anti-vax. The vax clearly works. It works. And you talk to people who work in hospitals, everybody who's coming in who's seriously ill, everybody is somebody who was not vaccinated. That is different than whether or not people have gotten vaccinated and have gotten ill because there are really interesting reports about people vaccinated and, um, and spread, about people vaccinated and getting sick. It is absolutely positively true. This doesn't happen in the massive levels of the people who are filling up hospitals in the United States, but of course it happens. I think we should be free to talk about it. We absolutely should be free to talk about it. Bloomberg, going back to October, vaccinated people also spread the Delta variant, a year-long study shows. People inoculated against COVID-19 are just as likely to spread the Delta variant of the virus to contacts in their household who, as those who haven't had shots. So this study comes from the UK. We've, we've, we've done this study before. We know that vaccinated people also spread COVID. So vaccinated or unvaccinated is not a conversation about spread. Masks don't stop spread. And kids don't die from COVID. So why in the world does anybody have to just suck it up and take a second booster shot, meaning for some people four shots, 
Why do they have to suck it up and have their kids sitting outside in the cold? Maybe Dr. Fauci and Jen Psaki have to suck it up and shut their mouths. They want to act disgusting. Why are we listening to these people? You're ugly people who live in fear and you want to take it out on kids. I think we should fight back. Kids need to be protected, most often from themselves and very often from predators. You're afraid so a kid suffers? I'm sorry, that's not a predator? What is it? You tell me what it is. You tell me what it is. It's all obscene. It's all really and truly obscene. Now, this plays in to what we're getting from Omicron. You guys remember Omicron? It's the uh, it's the variant that doesn't kill you. But the uh, UK says someone died from it, so now we all have to panic. Someone right now around the world has died from tetanus. I am not about to panic, and neither should you. But it's Fauci who believes that because of this, we have to start really rethinking what's going on. As a matter of fact, Omicron appears to evade some protection of the COVID vaccine. Well, is that right? There's a variant that maybe the vaccine doesn't perfectly protect from. But if you get a booster shot of it, then you're fine. Well, you don't have any data on that whatsoever. What you have is a guess and some hope. And there's certainly actually nothing wrong with a guess and some hope. Doctors do this all the time. We think it'll work. Give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? Doctors say that all the time. You are the one who makes the decision. This is the part that, of course, has been left out for the past two years. The part where we, the people, make the decision. They think they get to make the decision. They think they can make the decision for you. That's not the job of the expert. The job of the expert is to give you all the data. You, the individual, still makes the decision. That's how you know you live in a free society. Because if Dr. Fauci made decisions, we would not be allowed to leave our houses. And if I made decisions, Dr. Fauci wouldn't be allowed to practice medicine. But what can I say? I'm funny like that. If Omicron can get past some vaccine, well, okay. The question is, is it killing people? The UK says one person died from it. You mean we now have thousands of cases around the globe and one person has died from it? Or did they die with it? You catch that difference? Because that's the difference between night and day, people. Did they die of it or did they die with it? You see, if they died of it, well, that's a story. If they died with it, well, many people die with many different things. What are those comorbidities? That's the question. That's the question. And they want to continue to move fear. But let's go through this really quick just to make sure we're all on the same page and all the data we just went over. If someone dies of Omicron, with Omicron, we don't know of Omicron, but let's say this this variant can get through the vaccine easier. Does this variant put more people in hospitals? Well, Tony, the positivity rate has gone up. Who gives two craps about a positivity rate? It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if 100% of the populace were positive for virus X and no one died. Would it matter? And if you say to me, well, what about this or what about that? Well, then we're still playing the same game. 100% of the people having a, a, a virus that causes X, that's something you could worry about. But if all it does is give you a stuffy nose for three days, move on with your life. Don't lock down. Don't make kids eat outside in the cold. Don't force people to get shots. Don't threaten them with their employment. This is simple stuff, people. This is some basic, basic crap. So, yes, people will continue to fight back on these things, and they're fighting back in Australia and a bunch of other places. And they're right. I am not anti-vax, but these people are absolutely right to fight. We are absolutely right to say this is silly. We're not being governed by science. We're being governed by fear. And the fear is being taken out on our kids in terms of mask mandates and in terms of eating outside and the rest. Parents should double and redouble their efforts to control the lives of their children because uh, these government doctors can't be trusted worth a damn. I'm Tony Katz. I'm very, very happy to see that people are standing up for women in sports. So incredibly important that they do so. It's important that people remember that women athletes have rights. They deserve to be able to compete at the highest levels against other women, not men. They deserve to be allowed to say, we want to compete against women and not men, and not be told that they're bigots by saying so. Tony Katz, good to be with you. There is a second swimmer at Penn speaking out against Leah Thomas, a transgender swimmer. Leah Thomas is a man who says they are a woman. And I'm not saying that anybody should be mean or rude to Leah Thomas. And you'll note that I refer uh, to Leah as Leah. You tell me your name is Leah. I believe you. When producer Ari told me his name was Ari, I didn't say prove it. (laughs) I never asked. So I don't ask now. But Leah Thomas is a man and was not a successful swimmer, decided that now uh, uh, Leah Thomas is a woman and is winning records, absolutely destroying records everywhere. Well, not everybody is pleased. Teammates are speaking out saying this is wrong. Teammates are speaking out saying this is unfair. And you know what? People say, how dare you? They're just living their lives. You have to accept them. Trans women are women. No, they're not. And these girls uh, at Penn, these women at Penn, should not be treated so poorly because somebody else made a decision. Leah makes a decision. Leah makes a decision for Leah, not for the rest of the team. Leah has no business competing and shouldn't be allowed on the team. And the coaches should say no. Society should say no. I notice I didn't say be rude. 
Notice I didn't say, uh, be nasty. I don't want any violence. People are living their lives, and maybe they're just confused. That's where gender dysphoria, uh, that conversation's been around for years. Maybe this is who they are. I'm not going to get into that at the moment. What I'm going to do is focus on the subject at hand, which is these women athletes deserve to be treated better, and they are getting bullied by the so-called transgender community that says accept or die. And the answer is no. Stop acting like bullies. These women are allowed to compete. They train their whole lives to compete against women, not men. It's absolutely unfair because there's a difference between men and women. And men are not women and women are not men. It doesn't matter how many times you want to say otherwise. Also, men can't have babies. Get over it. Stop pretending. We're not going to lie to ourselves because you want to lie to yourself. I'd rather get in the fight. And I'm going to stand up for these, these female athletes, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Good on these athletes for speaking out. You deserve better. Let's talk wokeness. Because wokeness rots the brain. Wokeness is bigotry. That story's coming up. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio.